Welcome to the First Pres podcast, which features the message from this past Sunday's worship. If you would like to worship with us in person, our services are Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, 10, and 11 o'clock. You can learn more about First Pres at www.first-pres.org. Well, good morning and Happy New Year. Today we will be concluding our Advent series with one last look at how Jesus is the light that shines brighter than anything else. And we're going to be challenged by Jesus himself to consider all that we've heard and to believe in the light. Our reading this morning comes from John chapter 12, verses 32 to 36. Jesus is speaking these words to his disciples, but also to a large, rather skeptical crowd that included some Greeks who were interested, who happened to be there during the Passover time. This was just a few days before Jesus' arrest and his crucifixion. So let's listen to God's word together. Jesus said, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. The crowd spoke up, we have heard from the law that the Messiah will remain forever, so how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? Then Jesus told them, you're going to have the light just a little while longer. Walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. Whoever walks in the dark does not know where they are going. Believe in the light while you have the light, so that you may become children of light. And when he had finished speaking, Jesus left and hid himself from them. We are grateful for God's word. So as John recounts these powerful words from Jesus about the light being with them, only a little longer, and that sense of urgency certainly that must have been in Jesus' voice when he told his friends and he told this crowd that they must believe in the light in order to fully experience, to even come close to experiencing all that Jesus had been talking about. It is really no wonder then that John would include these words about being the light in the prologue to his gospel. If part of this reading this morning sounds kind of familiar to you, you will recall that we, what we read on Christmas Eve just two weeks ago in chapter one, John wrote these words. He said, in Jesus was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, and to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become, here it is, children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. It really couldn't be any clearer, could it? John said that to all who receive, 
To all who believe in Jesus' name, they are given the power to become children of God. So we all know what it means to receive, right? I mean, uh, hopefully, along with some giving, you also got to do a little bit of receiving over Christmas time. To receive, uh, we know that it really kind of means to make something your own, right? Like receiving that present from under the Christmas tree, you rip off the wrapping paper. You do rip off the wrapping paper, right? You're not, one of, you're not those people that neatly take it off and, oh, yeah, well, you know, if the wrapping paper looks really expensive, I'm a little more careful with it, you know? That's a, that's a, we can reuse that. But when you, when you receive something, it's like that, isn't it? You're ripping out there. You, you enjoy what the gift giver has given to you. But what about this word, believe? To believe means more than just receiving something, doesn't it? I mean, to believe means more than making something your own or just simply taking possession of it. No, to believe means to put your trust in it. To believe means to put your trust in something. I remember when I was first learning how to do some technical rock climbing, although I grew up in Colorado and I had done a good bit of bouldering and and mountain hiking, I had never actually climbed using ropes. And it actually wasn't until I was 22 years old and I was living in Florida, of all places, that I was taught how to do technical climbing. I was taught by a man named Steve Harrington. He was a young pastor, a former Young Life leader, who later became an associate pastor right here at First Press. You might, some of you might remember Steve and Nancy from their time here. But I'll never forget that first time that I went climbing. And, and there I was with Steve. We were in the North Georgia mountains and Steve was doing a top rope belay, and I was venturing up the side of the cliff, and, and there was some fear and trepidation. Now, I wanted to look confident being, you know, a Colorado boy after all, um, but when I got above about 20 feet, uh, I kind of froze up. I, I, I really didn't want to, I kind of wanted to go back down, or I kind of wanted Steve to pull me up, uh, and, and he would not let me do either one of those things. He just calmly told me to trust in the rope, to trust in the gear, to trust in him. And although I was still scared, I began to trust. And as I began to trust, I began to relax. And as I began to do that, I began to even enjoy climbing up that sheer cliff face, even when I got up pretty high. I believed. I trusted. Maybe some of you watched or rewatched the movie The Santa Claus over Christmas break. You know that story. It seems like at least one of the three or four now Santa Claus movies was on at one point or another in the TV schedule. But there's this scene in the very first movie where the Tim Allen character, who has now become Santa Claus, is at the North Pole, and he just cannot believe that any of this is real. And then this little elf named Judy, right? She brings him some hot cocoa and gives him these words of wisdom. Seeing isn't believing. Believing 
is seeing. I believe there's also a similar line to that uh, spoken by Santa himself and that other modern-day classic movie now, Elf. Both of these movies, there is an attempt to help disbelieving, distrusting people to go ahead and to trust. Even when their own belief systems, even when conventional wisdom would really be pointing to the contrary. For you and me to believe that we are going to, it means that we're going to put our trust in something or someone, you know, even when maybe we don't have it all figured out. I didn't need to have all the specs on the strength of the climbing rope or the molecular makeup of the carabiners or the climbing gear uh, or to see and writing uh, all of Steve's mountain climbing training and his credentials. I didn't need all those things in order for me to go ahead and believe, to believe that that rope would hold me, that that equipment wouldn't fail, and that Steve knew what he was doing. And so for us to believe in the light, to believe that Christmas is about the fact that this really did happen 2,000 years ago, it means that we have to come to see that God revealed himself in a way that we may never fully understand. It means that we have to receive it, though, to receive it as a gift, and then we need to put our trust in it as best as we can. The light does shine in the darkness. God has done this amazing thing, and God has even made it possible for us to trust him and to receive him into our lives, if only we will believe. You see, we don't start with seeing No, we have to start with believing. As Welsh New Testament theologian C.H. Dodd put it, he said, we do not start with cosmology, ascending to knowledge of God through his works in creation and the eternal forms behind them. No, we start with faith in Jesus, which involves the recognition that the meaning which we find in him is the meaning of the whole universe. That in fact, that which is incarnate in him is the logos, the word. Only he who knows God in Jesus Christ knows what that logos is by which the world was made. And so John in his gospel says in effect, hey, let's assume that the universe exhibits this divine meaning. And that meaning is what constitutes reality. And so John picked up on this Greek word, logos. And he said, that, that I tell you, if you're looking for what meaning is, well, it was embodied in the person of Jesus. And the fullness of Scripture, the weight of the church of Jesus Christ through the ages, the undeniable testimony of now billions of people through centuries of history point to the same conclusion It is true. Jesus is the light. And he's inviting you to trust in him. But you need to make the decision. Making the decision 
To believe in the light as Jesus implores his followers to do is none other than making the decision to follow Jesus. I mean really follow Jesus. It is a choice that requires a good bit of nerve, a whole lot of faith. It's a choice that in ways often goes against the grain of our culture. It's a choice that you and I make every day. It's a choice that that it means that you and I, as we move into 2018, that we're going to go into new territory. And we're going to take on new challenges as the days and the weeks and the months of this new year go by. And as we move into that new territory, we're going to experience some fear and some doubt. And you know what? That fear will never go away as long as you're continuing to grow. Never. Fear will never go away. Isn't that good news? Isn't that a nice way to start 2018? Actually, it is good news. You know why? It's good news because now you can give up trying to make fear go away. You can accept it, that it just comes with the territory But oh, what exhilarating territory it is. As pastor and author John Ortberg so profoundly put it, fear and growth go together like macaroni and cheese. It's a package deal. Does anyone here uh, downhill ski? Anybody do that? I'm sure. We're in Colorado, for goodness sakes, right? Yeah. Do you remember how it was to learn how to ski? Huh? Kind of scary, wasn't it? But you know what the key to learning to ski is? It's learning to live with fear. It's making that decision to point your skis straight downhill. If only for an instant, as you are making the next turn, And then the next turn. If you don't point your skis downhill, you will never learn how to ski. You end up kind of, as I was kind of learning, what I tried to do is you just sort of glide along across the ski slope, and eventually you run out of slope and you crash into the trees, right? At some point, you've got to turn, point those downhill, even for an instant, make that turn, face your fear, and soon you're able to make your way turn after turn down the slope. Friends, believing in the light means living with fear, certainly. But it also means knowing the unspeakable privilege of being related to your creator. I mean, does it get any better than that? Did you hear what Jesus was telling his friends and the crowd? He told them if they believed in the light, they would become children of the light. That's right. If we believe, if we put our trust in Jesus, we have the awesome privilege of claiming that we are a part of God's family. Has anyone here done the the, uh, DNA testing, you know, to discover your ancestry, right? I was at a gift exchange, a Christmas thing, and three of those DNA kits were given as gifts. 
commercials. It's uh, Ancestry.com, right? You know, the, uh, and, and to find out, you find out with this your, your ethnic, your racial makeup. And the commercials for this product, they show how proud people are and then sometimes even how surprised they are when they discover about their ancestors, when they learn about their family tree. Listen, listen, if when you decide to believe in the light, Jesus promises you that you are instantly considered a member of God's family. Does that surprise you? Is that something you're proud of? Check this out. To those early Christians who had put their trust in Jesus, who believed completely in him, John writes this. In 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, he says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Did you hear that? As God's children, as children of the light, we have unlimited potential. What we will be has not yet been made known, but... Ultimately, John says, we will be like who? Jesus, right? Like Jesus. As children of the light, our eyes are opened, and we see him as he is. We see Jesus as he is, and as God's children, we will be changed. We will be transformed. We will be shaped into Christ's likeness. Amen? That's why I'm here. And as we become children of the light, you and I are also given the gift of the Holy Spirit. Listen to this. To those in Rome who had become children of the light, received the Holy Spirit by believing in Jesus, Paul writes these wonderful words found in Romans 8.15. He says, the spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba. Father. Friends, this wasn't just for the Christ followers in Rome. It is for you. It's for me, too. We have been adopted into sonship, into daughtership with God as our Father. But even more than that, did you see that Paul uses the very words that Jesus used to describe his Father as his Abba, right? The Jewish word for daddy, the same word that a small Jewish child today would say as he or she is sitting on their daddy's lap and stroking daddy's beard saying, Abba, Abba. That's kind of an intimate image, isn't it? It's a very intimate expression. It connotes dependency and trust. This is what it means for you and me to be God's children, to be children of the light. His light is in us. His light is what lights our way as we move into 2018. 
If you already count yourself as a child of the light, then I encourage you to lean into this new year, embracing your identity, your sonship, your daughtership. You are a child of the king, and as such, you are entitled to the benefits of being a part of the royal family. You are also entrusted with the privileges and responsibilities that come with your elevated status. And so live your life in the light as children of the light, shining with Christ's light in all that you do. If you haven't yet made the decision to believe in the light, I would invite you as we have throughout the Advent season to take that step. Trust in the rope Go down that path. Enter into that new territory. Turn your skis downhill. Move into this new year with your eyes wide open to who Jesus is and who Jesus wants you to be. Believing is indeed seeing. As we conclude the Advent season today, we conclude our series that we've called Brighter. If you've been with us over the past month, I hope that you have been encouraged, that you've been challenged by our closer look at this one who came to be the light of the world. Jesus indeed is brighter than anything you or I could ever come up with. He isn't altogether trustworthy, and he is ready to shape you to change you, to bring purpose and meaning to your life. He wants to brighten your life, not only at Christmas time, during that Christmas season, but in every season of your life. We also conclude our Advent series today at the place where we began, at the table of the Lord. This table represents the utter length that Jesus went to in order to bring his light into our darkness. At the beginning of today's passage, Jesus told his disciples that he would be lifted up and that he would draw his people to himself. What does that mean, that Jesus would be lifted up? In another part of John's gospel, we find Jesus making clear the use of the parallel from the Exodus that we find in the Old Testament, which referred to how the Israelites, who had been disobedient, God had sent poisonous snakes to bite the people as just punishment for their rebellion. But then God also provided a way, didn't he? provided a way for the people's sins to be absolved and for their lives literally to be spared. Moses had a staff and it had a bronze serpent on it that he would lift up before the people and as the people looked upon it, the venomous wounds would be healed. Just as Moses lifted up his staff in the wilderness to save the people from their sins, Jesus was lifted up on a cross so that you and I might be saved from our sins, from the consequences of our own rebellion. The Lord's table, we have a a visible, physical representation of what Jesus was talking about when he said, I must be lifted up, that he would be lifted up for our sakes on a cross. For it was on that cross that Jesus gave his body for us. It was on that cross that he shed his blood. And he did so to make it possible for you and me to emerge out of the darkness 
and into the light of his forgiveness. Without the victory that Jesus won for us on the cross, we would still be in the dark. We would still be without hope. But we know. We know that the light did indeed pierce the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. So it is fitting that you and I should gather at his table now with thanksgiving in our hearts for Christ's great love. Thanks be to God. Believe in the light and you indeed will be children of the light. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. And we pray that it would not just be words that we hear today and forget tomorrow, but they would be words that would sink deeply into our spirits and who we are. And that as we move toward your table, we would be enacting our trust in you, that we'd be stepping out in faith as believers and as children of the light. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to our First Prez podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.first-prez.org.